I, I hit it hard and I did whatever I could get my hands on um, and pretty much stayed high 24 seven. And so I'm still playing music at this time. I'm still playing with this band, but like the deeper that I got into to substance abuse, it was kind of like the more and the more and more that I kind of lost my ability to create. Um, I know some people, you know, maybe say that like they feel like they create better uh, under the influence. Uh, that was definitely not my experience. I, I just kind of ended up burnt out and actually ended up at a place where I didn't write music for for years because I couldn't like I like I couldn't sit down to write. There was not any sort of motivation. I was just constantly in this place of, you know, almost just like stoner zombie mode that went on for a number of years. And really, until I had kind of a wake up, wake up call. Hello, and welcome to Your Creative Haven, a podcast by Kobe. Join us as we talk about things like community, creativity, collaboration, and self-discovery. We'll share stories, struggles, tips, and laughs about living lives as creatives, entrepreneurs, and dreamers. Join us on the journey. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Your Creative Haven. I've got my friend Jordan Saylor here. He is a songwriter and a video producer, and uh, I'll let him just share a little bit about himself. Hey, everybody. Yeah, my name is Jordan. I'm a storyteller. I currently live in Chicago with my amazing wife and three kids. And yeah, I just, I enjoy creating, I enjoy telling stories. My primary outlet for that, for now the majority of my life has been storytelling uh, through music, through songwriting, through creating in that avenue. And I also have grown to love film the last five years or so and enjoy telling stories visually now as well. So just a little bit about me and my creative background. Awesome. And did you... Guys just had a baby recently. Just had a baby, number three. We're outnumbered now. Wait, so is it, do you have two boys and a girl? We have two girls and a two boy. Girls. So my, my oldest is a boy, and then the last two have been girls. Awesome. And how's that going around the house right now with the new baby? Yeah, it's going well. You know, we're, we're you know, we're fresh into number three, which is good, um, you guys are it, kind of experts uh, by now. <laughs> <laughs> well, it definitely helps that we've been through it a few times. Like that's that's definitely super helpful. And at the same time, we're like outnumbered, so we kind of had to get a strategy together where it's like I I kind of got to take care. I take care of the older kids now, and mom stays with the younger, like with the baby, just because baby like pretty much needs mom, you know, around yeah. the clock. And uh, at least for this first bit, that's gonna kind of be the dynamic. In our, in our house where <laughs> baby pretty much needs mom and I take the older kids and kind of keep them occupied. So love it. I love it. And uh, where, where are you from? Where'd you grow up? Um, I grew up, you know, I spent most of my life in Southern Indiana, pretty far South, like almost, almost Kentucky. Um, so the majority of my life was spent in rural farm town, America. Yeah. So, yeah, town nice. of 2,000 people. So, so it sounds like you got into music before you you did uh, started doing video and film more recently. So, 
uh, just tell me about how um, music started in in your life. Was it something that your parents or your family did, or how how did that start? Yeah, um, you know, my dad. Well, both my parents, you know, did stuff musically. Both of them, like I think, played trumpet in high school. My dad into college. My dad's a singer and traveled around for a little bit in like a quartet and helped sing. So like my parents have a little bit of that background. Um, they weren't maybe doing that as much when I was growing up, but, uh, once, once it came time, I think it was sixth grade or seventh grade. I was like, yeah, I'm going to join band. Why not? You know? So I was like, what what did you play? So I played trumpet. So I was like, my parents played trumpet. You know, I think there's an old one still laying in the attic somewhere. So like, let's just do that. It'll be the easiest thing. (laughs) So (laughs) I, I picked it up and. And it was okay, you know, like I, I don't I don't know if I I don't think I really fell in love with it. Like it clicked, like it made sense to me, but I don't think I loved playing trumpet, you okay. know. And it wasn't until I think my parents got me a guitar for like my eleventh birthday, my twelfth birthday, and it just sat in, in my room for probably about a year. Cause I had no idea what to do with it. I was like, wow, it makes like this interesting sound if I just hit all the strings at the same time. So was it, <laughs> was it an acoustic or electric? It was an acoustic. Okay. And, uh, but it just kind of sat there. I didn't know what I was doing. And so <laughs> I remember it was, it would have been my eighth grade year. I, uh, I befriended some high schoolers that uh, knew how to play. And one of them was like, Hey, I'll, you know, come over, I'll show you how to play teach me some uh, some Leonard Skinnerd riffs. Nice. And so uh, I started jamming and then that really became my obsession. You know, cuz with band it was it was like I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the friends that were a part of that and like kind of that community there, but once I found the guitar, I was like obsessed, you know, like hours a day. Like <laughs> I just kind of want to learn this and figure this out and it 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 was, it felt good for me. Cause bro, I tried, I really wanted to do sports. Like, okay. I really wanted to do sports and I like tried them all. And I, and no matter what I did, I was just awful. <laughs> it was always, I was, I was always the B team dude who just like, you know, I just <laughs> didn't have the chops for it, you know? And, <laughs> and then so music for me made, made more sense and it just kind of clicked. And then once everything fell in place with guitar, it's like, I just never really stopped. Love that. Did you did you play in a band with people at all? Yeah, um, I did. You know, almost right away. Like almost as soon as we started playing, and like really just kept picking it up. There were a group of us that we just wanted to jam. We wanted to create music, and so we started. We started a little cover band. And uh, we learned a lot of like Green Day songs, oh, man. <laughs> all of the all of the stuff off their like '90s albums, like Dookie and some of those. It, we just we learned the songs, learned how to play them, because you know we were angsty, you know, like just turned like 13, you know, wanted to play punk music and kind of like rebel, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> sounds like a lot like like our uh, bands that we played in Green Day, Blink-182, oh, 741. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very very angsty uh, <laughs> uh punk punk you gotta, rock. Yeah, you got to do the angsty uh you got to do the angsty phase, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so do you did do you remember your first show that you played? 
Oh, man. Yeah, it would have been. Actually, the first time I performed was before we had a band, but not long after I'd learned how to play. And I did a, uh, actually did a Red Hot Chili Peppers song for like a, what they called a variety show. It was like something that our school would host. I think it was like once a year, maybe twice a year, they would have this get together where essentially people got to come and perform. You know? Yeah. You know, and, and they had like a school band that would learn the songs and and, know, and just, how how did it go it went okay you know like i'm up there you know and i'm playing my acoustic guitar and uh singing <laughs> singing a you know red hot chili pepper song which was an interesting first choice because <laughs> they actually ended up being one of my favorite bands ever so uh pretty influential to me yeah so I love that. Yeah, we um, for our band, I think we only played one real show that was at, we played for a yearbook party for a high school, for our bass player's high school. Um, and I don't think the school knew what they were getting themselves into. Um, they didn't probably, they didn't know anything about us. And halfway, halfway through, we, we ran out of songs. So then we just uh, played the set all over again. Hey. So- <laughs> In case you missed it the first time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's probably a little bit better the second time around. Got some practice. but There uh, you go. Yeah, I think that was kind of our first in our, in our last show. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man. Uh, started with the bang and went out with the bang, too. Yeah, you know. It's fun, though. It's, it's fun fun playing in a band. And um, was, was the band that you started playing with, how long did you guys stick together? Um, with that you know, specific group of people. It wasn't, it wasn't a really long time. It was maybe a year and we, and we pretty much just played stuff at school as they can't, you know, as opportunities came up and we started, like I said, we learned a lot of the green day songs and I remember writing my first song and we recorded it through one microphone into a like four track cassette deck and uh, I actually have that tape. I need to. I need to find a a, wor- a proper working cassette player for me here. But uh, but yeah, it was uh, quite quite a fun experience. But that lasted about a year, and then we started uh, a pop punk trio. I want to say my sophomore year of high school with some yeah. older guys, and uh, and yeah, we were called Random Hero. We wrote we wrote an album together, and. There was like this small uh, music studio that was like in the back of this like local music shop. And we were like, we have like 60 bucks. And we're like, all right, we need to make an album here. We've got 60 bucks, you know, quite the budget for an album. And so it, I remember it was like, a, you know, 30 bucks an hour or something. And so we just like, we just showed up at this place and like played our songs live. And just like took it as it was and and then just started printing CDs and handing them out to people. <laughs> like there's our first budget, you know, like our sixty dollar album, you know. And I, I actually um I bought a a little printer that uh could physically print on the CDs. Nice. So like, you know, <laughs> I did the graphic work and then I printed our CDs out and we sold them to the people at school and it oh, was man. That was the the first you know, slightly more legit band than the than the first one where we just played covers because we actually wrote our own music. 
That's awesome. I love that. But that's fun. <laughs> uh, man, that just bring, brings me brings me back to to the middle school, high school days of, of playing music and such a great time when you're just learning. And um, and uh, man, I love it. I love that. That's that's part of your journey. <laughs> so so tell me what like what was it about music that you you just love? so much that is like i just want to spend my time just doing this playing guitar um spending time recording you know it's a really good question i i don't know if at the time i really knew what that was i think that for me i just thought it was awesome yeah. <laughs> you know that that like to me in my head it made sense there were a lot of things that i tried to do like i said i tried sports and i tried other things and th- certain things in school not everything always made sense to me, but I think for me, it felt like music made sense and writing felt pretty natural, you know? And so like, even with that first band, the pop punk band, you know, I wrote all the music and predominantly all the music was just about, you know, the what I was going through and problems, you know, <laughs> problems with this first girl, you know, that I was <laughs> dating, you know, it was, it was all about, you know, girl problems pretty much. Um, but I didn't realize like at the time, it's like now I realize I love that place so much because it really is almost like a therapeutic um, release for me and being able to like recognize what's going on on the inside of me and being able to express that. And most of that now to, to me is almost like my prayer life, you know, and my spirituality is being able to talk to God through music. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And um, so it sounds like what you're writing right now is a little bit different than your uh, your past days of <laughs> punk, pop, uh, grungy, whatever. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, was, yeah. Definitely, definitely not writing about, you know, the girl who, who broke my heart and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> Such a strange thing to put out now, you know. I mean, it's yeah. different when you're like 14 years old, 15 years old, you know, and now it's like you know, we want to, we want to write from a deeper place, you know? (laughs) Yeah. So, so you, so you are writing, writing a bit different music now. Um, and it's coming from a little bit of a, a a different place. What kind of made that transition for you? Yeah, sure. So, you know, I really loved, you know, as I said, music clicked for me. I loved playing. I, um, I played in the pop punk band then we had another band after that that was a bit more serious. We recorded two different two different times. We did one full length and then like another EP. And we played a lot of shows on the weekends and traveled a little bit around just regionally, you know, in our area. And and um yeah, I I love that, but I was also really conflicted because, you know, some of the said problems, you know, some of the girl problems, but also you know, my first real music partner, my music friend, um, actually committed suicide at school when I was uh, when I was fifteen, and so that kind of like train wrecked a lot of my a lot of my teenage years. You know, it kind of sent me into a little bit of a whirlwind. So I'm creating, and I and I and it is my outlet, and I'm writing about what's going on in my life, um, and I'm also like starting to try to find ways to escape some of that pain from that loss. And then 
the loss of, you know, the girl that was like my first love and some of these things that started to really feel like, uh, just like compounded grief for me as a young man. And so, yeah, I ended up doing stuff I said I'd never do, bro. And just ended up into, um, a world of addiction, partying, just any way that I could try to kind of numb just, uh, just that sense of loss, you know, as a, as a young guy. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's definitely a lot to, uh, process. How old, how old did you say you were? I was 15. Man, that's, yeah, that's, that's a big, heavy thing. Um, especially when it's, when it's a close friend and, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's really hard. So, yeah. So what did, like, did you have anyone to talk to you during that time? Um, yeah. So I was dating this girl and she was like, kind of like my first love, you know? So definitely she was the only person that I really felt okay to kind of open up to about it. Of course, like the school, you know, since it, it happened at the school and, you know, they kind of went into like counselor mode, you know, like they, they're like, you gotta see a counselor. You gotta talk to a counselor. And I'm like, I don't know this counselor. I don't want to talk yeah. to this, counselor. you know? So like, to me, it was, it was, they were kind of like forcing this thing that I, that at the time I, you know, again, I'm a young guy. I just, I didn't realize what happened until later on, but basically I just kind of closed my heart as a young dude. I was like, I can't really deal with all this. And so I really kind of just got this kind of like F you mentality don't really don't mess with me. Like I'm going to be funny, but I'm, I'm not going to really open up, um, to you, you know? And so we, I tried to do the counseling thing and it wasn't successful really just cause I didn't, I didn't open up, you know, I didn't really want to do it. I didn't want to do this forced counseling deal. And so I talked a little bit with my parents again, not a ton. Cause I was kind of still in that angsty teenager phase where I didn't really want to share too much and did um, they did they know what was going on at all with the addiction and partying and all that at all yeah so the addiction partying kind of came a little bit after you know because i kind of spiraled for a bit without all of that first you know because before before that happened um i had really wrestled a lot on my own with d- depression suicidal thoughts that kind of thing and actually it was a, a conversation that i would had had with this friend multiple times where we talked about suicide. We talked about just kind of like our, our struggles with those kinds of thoughts, you know, um, it's just for me, I don't, I don't know, (laughs) never imagined that he would actually do it, you know, cause in my mind I was like, I have these kinds of thoughts, but I, I don't think I'd really actually do anything like that. Um, it was, yeah, it was just kind of a wild time for me. So, yeah, the addiction came probably about a year, a year and a half later. So I kind of spiraled for a bit, closed up, um, really mentally was just struggling uh, a lot, lot like started acting out, um, like like kind of did this like random, like middle of the night, ran away from home kind of deal mm-hmm. to like run like five miles in the dark to my girlfriend's house. And, you know, my parents yeah. were like, this doesn't seem like normal behavior, you know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so just really, really mess, you know, messed up um, from a, a mental health standpoint. 
Yeah. And how, and so that, so that's probably around like junior year of high school, somewhere around. Yeah, there. exactly. Yeah. And so how long did that last for, for you, like that kind of season? Um, I want to say like three, three or four years. Uh, cause once I, you know, once I started getting high, it kind of felt like a magic bullet for me. Cause it was like, Hey, I could kind of sort of forget about the way that I've been feeling this past season and also just feel good. And so like it, it was like almost like an instantaneous decline into, Hey, I'm going to jump into this world and yeah, I felt good. I was able to kind of escape the pain for a while and I I hit it hard and I yeah. did whatever I could get my hands on um, and pretty much stayed high 24-7. And so I'm still playing music at this time. I'm still playing with this band. But like the deeper that I got into to, to substance abuse, it was kind of like the more and the more and more that I kind of lost my ability to create um, I know some people, you know, maybe say that like they feel like they create better uh, under the influence. Uh, that was definitely not my experience. I, I just kind of ended up burnt out and actually ended up at a place where I didn't write music for for years because I couldn't like I like I couldn't sit down to write. There was not any sort of motivation. I was just constantly in this place of, uh, you know, almost just like stoner zombie mode. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. yeah, that went on. Um, that went on for a number of years, and really until I had kind of a wake up, wake up call, several yeah. wake up calls. <laughs> so yeah, and we'll get into that in a second. Um, but first, I want to ask you: Was that so? The substance abuse was that something that you did by yourself? Was that something that someone introduced to you? How like how how did that how did that ha- start to happen? Yeah, so. For me, it was one of those things, you know, I grew up as a church kid. So, you know, I grew up as a church kid saying like, never going to drink, never going to smoke, never going to have sex before marriage, you know, like all the stuff Mm -hmm. that like you say, I think growing up in church that you're not going to do. And, um, and then, yeah, I actually found out that my brother had been doing, doing some drugs and getting high. And so it was almost like, uh. At that phase of my life, I was kind of like, eh, whatever, I'm going to try it. You know, so it started off as actually me and my brother. And then there was just a circle of people yeah. that that's what we like to do. Most of them like to get high and play music and, or skateboard or whatever, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and that's an easy end to brother and um, for sure. Yeah. 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 So um, that was kind of how I got in into that place but very much you know i was the one who kind of kept <laughs> kept myself there once i yeah. got there yeah yeah and so so you said you had a um couple close calls wake up calls what what happened there um yeah so actually i um i want to say i was 19 um yeah i was 19 years old uh, I'd gotten in trouble, uh, a few times legally, actually, um, not anything crazy. Like I got like a shoplifting charge and then got a drug paraphernalia charge. And I'm like, this is really stupid stuff. You know, like there's no reason for that. But for me, the real, the real wicked call was 
Um, you know, I was still living at home at the time and my parents knew, like they knew stuff was going on because, you know, obviously I got into trouble a few times. There were a few times where, you know, I think my parents found some stuff or times where they would be like, we know you're messed up right now. But there, most of the time, though, they would never be able to prove it. So it's like, they'd be like, you seem like you're not right. And we'd be like, I'm fine. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, but it, it, it came to a, a point where, because I live with them, they gave me an ultimatum um, where they were like, okay, you can either go to this drug rehab outside of Nashville, Tennessee, which some good friends of theirs, you know, host a rehab. It's a great place, by the way. Um, they're like, you can either go to this place and get help or uh, you can find somewhere else to live. And at that point in my life, it's like, I don't have anywhere else to live. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, so I'm either going to be homeless at 19, which was like my first thought. My first thought was like, all right, you know, F you guys, I'm going to pack a bag. I'm going to hit the street and just get out of here. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then I think a little bit of common sense <laughs> kind of hit me. I was like, okay, I don't have any money. <laughs> I don't have uh you know i don't have anything that's my own you know there's not really too much i can do so okay i need to go get help and i think at that point i knew i knew that i needed help but i think coming face to face with that like no no nobody in addiction likes that you know like mm-hmm. denial is kind of like the close friend that you keep with yeah. you at all times so i knew i needed help i just didn't want to face it so i was just angry um I was so angry, but I ended up just saying, okay, fine, I'll do it. It was like a six week program and I was like, fine, I'll go, you know? So yeah, that was definitely wake up call number one. And, um, yeah, it, uh, it was really hard. Um, cause I didn't want to do it, you know, at first. So I probably the first two weeks into being in rehab, it was, you know, I'm sober, not really because I wanted to be. And it's just like this cold feeling uh, of like, okay, now I'm not high anymore. And now I can't hide anymore. Now I can't run anymore. And I think I came into a place internally too, for me of, I grew up in church, you know, I grew up in this place of of like I had experienced the presence of God and things like that as a young, as a young guy. And so it's like, I believed God was real. Um, I just didn't think that God wanted anything to do with me just cause my life was pretty messed up. Mm-hmm. And um, I finally, I came to this moment about two weeks in, I was like, all right, all right, God, I'm tired of this, (laughs) you know, like I'm tired of this whole thing. Um, I'm tired of feeling this way. I'm tired of just kind of the way, um, addiction, just the way that that causes me to, to be, you know, cause it totally Mm -hmm. changes who you are and, um, the persona of who you are. And, um, man, God answered me. Um, that's all I know how to say. God really, God really encountered me and made himself real to me, you know, in that moment. So the rest, the remainder of my time, 
at the rehab was totally different than the first two weeks when I was really fighting it and just angry um, and really kind of came into a place of surrender for me of like, okay, like this is not really at the heart level what I want. Like I don't really want to be hiding anymore. I don't really want to be numbing anymore, you know, because like I think after a while, you know, I'm somebody that like really I don't I don't like being bored. I don't like when life feels bland. Mm-hmm. And for so long I had chosen like just to numb out, you know, and I think that eventually I just kind of hit this place where I really wanted to feel again. I wanted to feel alive again. And I definitely was not feeling that at all in that place. Yeah. So. Yeah. Wow. Um, and so by the end of end of rehab and you're getting out, did you, um, what did that look like for you? Did you feel, did you feel a change there right away or did it take some time? What did that process kind of look like? Yeah. So that was, you know, that's a great question. There was definitely, there was definitely a change in me. Um, and enough so that my girlfriend, who's not my wife, by the way, <laughs> my girlfriend, Lydia walked through all of this with me. So, which is wild to think about, but I was, I was so different when I came back that she was kind of like a little bit stunned. She was like, who's this person? You know, <laughs> you're like totally different. Like your mannerisms are different. Like you're the way, you know, you talk to people is different. And so I was definitely, I was definitely really different. You know, like I, I had what I would say is an undeniable encounter with God. Um, nothing that I could shake off, nothing that I could get to a place where I'm, I, explain it away. I had it and, and it changed me. Um, but there was still a lot of stuff in my heart that I just needed to deal with. And so, yeah, I got clean. I was clean for about six months and then I had another really hard relapse and just dove right back in. And that time was almost more crazy because I was like a lot more spiritually aware at that point in my life, you know? And so I'm kind of like doing this back and forth thing. And it was, it was hell to me, bro, for real. Um, It was a really rough existence feeling now like, okay, I've had this undeniable encounter with God, this spiritual experience, this wake up call, if you will. And I'm also like, torn you know still like fighting with this like self-destructive pattern and it was kind of like this wrestling uh um in in my internal world and it was really pretty crazy so mm-hmm. that went on you know after the six months went went past i relapsed then i probably went about another year or so um and then i did another sin in rehab <laughs> and so so <laughs> yeah. found myself back at rehab and so it was it was like very much this back and forth uh battle yeah. for me and uh ended up in rehab again and that time i was much more willing to go cuz i w- it was it was not like this denial at that point it was i was aware of what was going on i was aware that i needed something to shift um and i welcomed it um so i i went willingly without a fight and was like, okay, I'm going to commit myself to this, 
because I know, you know, for better or worse, like I know what's the right thing to do and mm-hmm. how I should be. And so, yeah, I went and definitely my life was changed. And for me, it was very different. Like there were still time moments where I would stumble um, and just get back up again. Uh, but something felt different to me. Um, and I think what it was is I really encountered the love of God because so much of what perpetuates the addiction cycle is shame, you know? And so it's like, I had this understanding that like, God must be like really disappointed in who I am, you know, because of everything and encountering God in that place, like in the lowest place in the place where I deserved it the least. Like, I, I think I actually really needed to encounter God in, in a place where I would deserve it the least. Otherwise, I would try to earn it. I would try to be good enough or I would try to whatever. And that was really life-changing for me, you know, because I had a lot of scary things happen when I was when I was in that place of addiction. Um, but really, God allowing me to feel his love for me really is what changed things and actually is what opened up my creativity again. Cause like I said, I, I stopped writing. I was totally, totally a zombie hadn't written mm-hmm. music for years and not hadn't even really played. I just kind of let it go. And once I encountered God's love, it's like, man, I couldn't stop writing. Yeah. Yeah. Was that, was that a pretty emotional experience for you start beginning to write again? Yeah, it was really um, birthed out of a place of gratitude for me because it's like I I felt God and I felt his love for me. And man, it just did something internally to me. Because like I said, like I I was I'm like, I don't deserve this. I, you know, I knew the things that I had done in in active addiction, like (laughs) like terrible things. And and I was like, man, I don't deserve this, but God did it anyways. And God met me, you know, I really got this understanding of grace in that place. And man, I just feel like there was so much gratitude that was just overflowing. So for me, it was like, I just wanted to write, like I wanted to tell the story and I still do like to me, man, I, it's still something that like daily, I, I just share my gratitude to God. Like, thank you for saving me out of that place because it was, it's really kind of wild to explain you know, now that I'm, you know, over a decade later, you know, sober, it's, it's wild to think about. But when I was in that place, like I would remember, like there were like some nights where I would just be in this place of saying to myself, like, man, there's no future for me. Like there's really no future for me. And that's all I could see. I couldn't see any sort of future for me outside of this place. And, and I just was like, man, this is going to be my grave. Like, cause I couldn't see beyond that. And so when God met me and showed me that there was more for my life, it really just kind of blew my heart open. Cause I was like, man, I didn't think that I had any of this. I didn't think that this was possible. And God meeting me really just changed so much. And so, yeah, I was like, I wanted to write and I still want to write and, and tell the story of that, you know, of how, man, I, I had no hope and now I have hope. And so that's just been my story of restoration, man. Uh, that's, I love that so much. I just get so inspired hearing, hearing your story. And, uh, and it's cool. Cause I, I, cause I haven't, I haven't really heard a lot of it before. And, um, 
and I'm sure this will be super helpful for other people listening um, that are going through the same kind of thing. And so uh, let me ask you this. What would you, what's one piece of advice that you'd give to other creatives or other songwriters um, that are listening? I think I want to say stop running, you know, um, stop running. And I think that what I mean by that is, like I was saying, for so many years, I ran. I ran from what I felt. I ran from pain. I ran from um, loss. I ran from who I was, truly. I just ran. And I think it's really easy to get caught in that cycle of running. Like even even as a creative, it's really easy, like with so much media intake in our lives to see other people, to see their lives, to see what they're doing and to want to run, run away from who you are to be like the latest trend or whatever. And so my advice is to stop running, um, be, be who you are made to be, you know, create from a place of authenticity, allow yourself to feel what you need to feel, to process what you need to process. Um, but be honest with yourself and not don't run, you know, don't chase something that's not real. Don't hide from life, you know, allow yourself to be in the moment as much as you can. It's, it's kind of so much of our world around us is built to like kind of keep us out of our present moment. So <laughs> yeah, it's definitely, definitely a, a challenge to do that. And um, Jesus makes everything uh, new. So that's my, my, uh, my experience, my story. Yeah, that's great advice, dude. Uh, I think that's great. I think you're coming out with some new music. Is that, is that right? Yeah, that is right. Um, so today is, what is it? The 23rd? The 23rd today. So today's the 23rd, but February 26th, I'm coming out with a new single. Uh, called Given Holy. And yeah, it's going to be available on all digital outlets. Uh, wherever you stream your music, it will be available. And it's just under your name, right? Jordan Sailor? Just under Jordan Sailor. Yep. Okay. Awesome. So people can find you on iTunes, Spotify, pretty much anywhere where you can listen to music. There you go. Uh, Awesome. Well, do you have any uh, final closing thoughts at all here? Yeah. Just thank you for having me on. It's been, uh, it's been good for me actually to kind of process through some of the, you know, I don't tell this story that often really. So uh, I just even appreciate you reaching out, you know, to kind of tell a little bit of my journey because I don't have the opportunity to do that a lot. So for me, it's, I'm just grateful to you and the Kobe community for allowing me the opportunity to do that. Yeah. So happy to have you here. I was pumped to have this conversation, especially learning a little bit more about your story. And just for me personally, that's, it's been really encouraging and it's inspiring. Uh, hearing that journey encourages me to be more authentic, um, be 
be myself uh, wherever I'm at and not chase the latest trend because it's easy to do, um, especially where we're at currently in the world and with social media and all that. So um, we've loved having you here. So if anyone is looking for some new music, go check out Jordan Sailor and uh, show him some love. Uh, and uh, we appreciate having you here, man. And- <laughs> Oh yeah, I appreciate it too, man. This is, uh, like I said, this is such a uh, such a joy for me to get to do this and get to create. So, love it. All right, well, we will see you guys on the next episode of Your Creative Haven. Thanks for listening. 